1: This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Want to know another Snapple fact? The first hot air balloon passengers were a sheep, a duck, and a rooster.
0: Ridiculous. Check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavoured Snapple near you. Hi, I'm Bex. And I'm Laura. And we're here to talk openly and honestly about miscarriage, stillbirth, and all pregnancy loss. We aim to smash the taboo surrounding these
1: subjects. And rebuild the topic in a way to support and educate women. Rather than isolate and shame them. Welcome to the Worst Girl Gang Ever. Welcome, welcome to this episode of the Worst Girl Gang Ever. We are joined today by Sinead Hingston, absolute legend (laughs) from Ireland. Amazing accent.
0: Ireland, Ireland, <laughs> casually racial, racial, racial. racial.
1: <laughs> We're thrilled to have you, Sinead, because we we met you on on Instagram. Did an Instagram. It was on Instagram.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I was yeah. to think of it. It was an Instagram live, wasn't it? Mm. It
2: was. It was a two part because we talked so much, it cut us off. Um, but also the reception wasn't great, so there's two recordings of it on my page.
1: Yeah, we tried to get us both on there. This is in the early stages when you could have more than one person. I think they had did, just it brought work. it in.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It, <laughs> was, it didn't yeah. work for us. <laughs> so, one of you like got booted. Up, not the system, though. That's
2: probably. The uh, probably a bit of both. It was, it was when they had just introduced multi people. And yeah. it didn't work very well for anybody at the beginning, I don't think.
1: No. Yeah. So, I mean, when we met you back then, you had been through recurrent miscarriages, hadn't you?
2: I had. I'm trying to think when it was, if I remember correctly. Um, But yeah, so I think I I had had my ectopic, and I might have been pregnant again with with Charlie, as we named him. Um, And then I lost that pregnancy that Christmas, just before Christmas. And then I got pregnant again in January, not intentionally. um, And that was a chemical pregnancy. So then we just went, no, that's it, we're done. Um, And then we weren't done, because we decided that we weren't done (laughs) because that's how we roll um but yeah no we gave ourselves like three months of can i curse on this podcast yeah okay like fuck it let's just give it one more bash um and yeah our one more bash is currently nearly nine months and is fast asleep upstairs for who knows how long he might be (laughs) making he might be making an introduction into the podcast um but yeah so he arrived last year
0: yeah
2: congrats journey yeah yeah,
0: huge congratulations to you Sinead and so so there will be people listening I mean I don't know why but there will be people (laughs) who don't know who you are and yeah
2: I'm not anybody to be really honest (laughs)
0: you're you're wonderful and obviously your grief story doesn't it you lost your your first husband didn't you and that's a big part of your account on Instagram yeah and I wanted to ask you because obviously that grief is so different to to grieving the loss of a baby and grieving the kind of the recurrent miscarriages you had and how differently did people treat you with your losing your babies to to you know the devastating loss of your of your husband
2: so I found like when Jeff died suddenly I was 19 weeks pregnant with Lily so I was pregnant with my first child. We had been married seven months before that. We were on holidays in Portugal. Life was amazing. Life was great. And then he died suddenly. And I found that everybody, I was like a magnet for people to be like, oh my God, what can I do? You know, people wanted to know me because of the story and how horrific it was. And it was like very much everybody wanted to be there. And they were, absolutely. Um, With miscarriages, it's like people can't even look you in the eye. It's a totally different Mm grief it's a totally different loss obviously because like my first one was super early on I was five and a half weeks when I started bleeding at home so and I think there's also a, an element of like actually like you were barely pregnant you know um, like kind of not get over it but get on with it, kind of thing Um then I had an ectopic so that involved a bit more surgeries and all the rest that was a bit kind of more drawn out I suppose but I think the more I had the more awkward people got it was like there was yeah. something felt like there was something wrong with me you know that kind of way and um, so by the time I got pregnant with Albie so he was obviously my fifth in a row um and none of us knew how it was going to go but I kind of just shut myself off from from people I was like you know what I'm just gonna just gonna close this door here and just get through this pregnancy and it did make me a bit batshit crazy as well because the paranoia is just horrific like every time you go to the toilet or every time you do anything you're you're convinced it's going to happen again um but there's definitely it's a totally different type of grief and a totally different reaction from other people as well like it's like it, it kind of made people uncomfortable like it's contagious grief is contagious did you know yeah, that?
1: yeah. I think um people people start off when you have one miscarriage maybe two start saying well at least you can get pregnant and um mm you know you're still young and all of those sorts of things and the longer it goes on people just just don't know what to say and that's what when it's say. really lonely because oh yeah. they don't say anything and then and you feel awkward you feel like you're bringing down the mood everywhere you go and so that's you just it. even withdraw. if you don't bring it up yeah
2: even if you're not talking about it, it yeah you feel like even your presence is kind of bringing the mood down because it's just happened to you again you know mm. um like, even my chemical now, I didn't I didn't talk about it too much. Because even at that stage, I was exhausted from them. I was yeah. like, four in a row, like, I can't go on and talk about this again. People are going to be like, oh, my God, would she ever just stop trying to have a baby? Like, yeah. this is ridiculous, you know? Um, and now when I talk about it, like, it's received so well. But at the time, when I was in the thick of it and in the, the horrificness of the whole cycle of trying to have number three, you know, you just feel so the batteries are empty. You know, you've got yeah. nothing left to give. And even talking about it to people, you just, you do, you feel like you're just
1: dragging the mood down completely. I know. Do, do you ever feel like you 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 can't be asked to talk about it? You're just like, oh God, I'm bored. Yeah. I'm bored of talking about this. I know Yeah, yeah. Bex probably thinks I'm quite um, blase about things or maybe at the beginning you did. I don't know. But I used to sort of like skim over these experiences because I'm like, yeah, this happened, this happened, this happened, blah, 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 yeah, blah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And blah.
2: then people are like, now wide open going what and you're like oh yeah sorry I'm just so used to actually talking about it that it doesn't even feel like it happened to me it feels like I'm talking about somebody else I think and I would have felt like very much like that with Jeff as well you know even now like it's 11 years now so if I talk about him like it was the most horrific Mm. thing that I've ever gone through like I literally watched him die in front of me Mm. but now I can talk about it like it's somebody else's story it doesn't
0: when you when you go through that though when you, it's not that you're blasé it's just that it's the same as like when things don't hurt as much when you talk about them and that's that's why we really open this whole thing because Conversation, the way you kind yeah. of start recovering is to get it out in the air and to you know the a problem shared is a problem half it's it's that kind of thing when you start talking about things they're so deeply inside you like a splinter and they they work their way into you because you're not talking about them but as soon as you let that splinter out as soon as you get that splinter out you you can start to heal can't you
2: i love that because it makes so
0: much sense and it just gets easier to talk about like it's not i don't and, you know you think do there, Laura. i just think i just think you've you've talked about everything so much that you've processed it you've been able to process everything that you've been through by talking about it so now that now that you've done that they are just words that explain how you've got experience the way you have, way yeah. Here. yeah
1: Sinead did you find a lot of um support and solace in the um like the community that you created on Instagram
2: absolutely like it, it was just it was unbelievable so I went on because all of this happened through lockdown so all of my miscarriages were through lockdown um So I had to go to all the appointments by myself and all the scans by myself and I found out by myself. Um, So it kind of became, you know, a bit of a a problem over here. Like there was women being absolutely traumatized by the worst news ever and they weren't Mm -hmm. allowed to have their partners and their husbands beside them. Um, And it was just wrong, you know, it was just wrong. It was one more body in a room. It really wouldn't have made much of a difference, but we kind of just felt like second-class citizens that we weren't being heard. So I did like a news a little news chat about it um, just to say that it's not okay and that it's not going to be now that these problems are going to affect people. It's in years to come when they have post-traumatic stress from what we experience. Um, But I couldn't get over the amount of women that reached out on Instagram and and started speaking about it to me. Like I I still get messages every day. I get messages from women telling me that they're pregnant before they tell their husbands. Like it's just, it's been an incredible like little community to kind of build I, like I still people are like oh how many followers do you have I'm like I, I have a quite a few but I don't know why like you know it's, <laughs> well just, I think I'm just I might a mom like
1: what about me, the the spark of life thing that you that you did oh my, my baby look at all these boxes they're all here This my my wow, little thing in
2: the is... sitting room um so yeah I Whenever I got pregnant, it's such I don't know whether it's a UK thing as well, but lighting candles to like manifest stuff and just you know, oh, light a candle for me. So when I found out I was pregnant with Albie, I it was actually before that. So when we started trying for Albie, it was in like the the March, and I said to Michael, my husband, I said, you know what, I'm going to light a candle every day of this. So for the two week wait, I'm going to light a candle every night, and I'm manifesting this baby. And I went on Instagram, and I actually was looking back at the stories, and it all happened so. On Instagram, like, so I started talking about it. Started telling people like the two week wait, lighting a candle every night, and um, um, I'm going to call it. And you can see me kind um, of going, Spark a life, mm-hmm. and it kind of became a thing. So like, so many women were like, Oh my god, this is amazing! I'm going to do this too. Like, we've just started trying again after our miscarriage, and it became a little movement. And we were all sending each other the pictures of our candles being lit, and it was really lovely. And then I found out it was broken with Albie. And I was like, I'm actually going to keep this going. Like I kind of got, I became a little bit addicted to making sure that candle was lit every night. But in my head, I was like, every time I sparked the flame, I felt like I was just willing him on that little bit further. Mm -hmm. And when the flame was growing, it just felt like he was growing. Um, And yeah, it became a thing. So I, when I was pregnant with Albie, I was um, in a clinic called the TLC clinic in our national maternity hospital here. Um, And it was only a new clinic, but it was it was made to support women who have suffered recurrent miscarriages because they've done studies. And the studies have proven that if if people get that extra bit of care and that extra bit of TLC and those extra scans in pregnancy after recurrent miscarriage, that it can actually help the outcome, that it can actually Mm -hmm. get them through the pregnancy. So they opened up this TLC clinic and I obviously attended it. And Dr. Kathy Allen is the woman who runs it and she's just an earth angel um so I was attending that clinic and with every scan it just became more real you know that he was actually going to get here um and yeah so I decided that their scanning machine was shit like really shit you could barely make out the baby on the screen it was so bad and so old so I did a fundraiser while I was bragging with Albie to raise money to get a brand new scanning machine for the clinic Specifically for that clinic, I was very. I was like, I don't want this field around the hospital. This has to stay (laughs) in the TLC clinic. Um, so we raised like another guy, Dennis, came on board with me. He was working for a bank here, and they did a special charity thing within the bank. And he was like, I'd love to get involved in this. So we raised. I think we needed twenty-two thousand, and we raised thirty something in the end. So they put the. We got the, and we got the scanning machine like three days before Alby arrived. So like all the pictures, I'm like massive (laughs) and. So we went in to kind of just touch it, literally just put our finger on it and be like, it's here. Um, so that's in the TLC clinic in the hospital now, which is just amazing because the pictures are so clear on it. And that's yeah. what people need. They need the reassurance that everything's okay. Um, yeah. So yeah, I did that when I was pregnant. Then I then obviously he arrived. So he arrived via emergency C-section three weeks early. Um on the 13th of December and I still can't believe he's here he's nearly nine months old and I still look at him going oh my god like why why you you know what what Mm, what made you you so what made you sick you know Mm. and I look at these candles and I just think maybe it was the power of hope maybe it was you know the power of just willing you along like so much now look this is just in my head thinking of all these things you know I believe in signs I believe in all these things Mm. um but yeah I decided then that I wanted to do more with it because there was candles being lit all over the world at this stage by women. Um, and I went and got sparkle light candles made. Um, so the proceeds of them go to miscarriage and fertility charities in Ireland at the moment, but obviously it becomes a bit more worldwide then it'll be everywhere. Um, so I, I launched the first batch on the 13th of May because I figured it was a good date, 13th. Um, and they sold out in like three hours, like gone. Um, it was insane so now I have I'm actually nearly out of these ones now. this is the second batch um but they're like they're literally little candles and they they smell really nice as well
0: they're like manifestation candles
2: a a little bit yeah they're just to give you that bit of hope and like when you're lighting it just to go come on like to will your little bean along you know whether you've had miscarriages or not just to just to stay
0: positive you know to feel like you're doing something is so yeah. important. Like we talk about it all the time. So much of, of your fertility, well, all of your fertilities, is so out of your control, and you yeah. can only do the things that you can do, can't you? You can you can do the ovulation tests, and you can take your temperature, and you can look at your cell yeah. mucus. But actually, once you've had the right sex at the right time, that's it. And so, to just, it's totally out of your just control. Just to feel like you're doing it's incredible I imagine that's incredibly sort of empowering and important yeah, and it seems
2: like there's so many women that have kind of that have done it with me you know and like I still get messages saying please light the candle I'm having a my eggs transferred later or you know can you light the candle because I'm I'm day seven and I'm going to do a test in the morning and I'm like yeah absolutely you know I'll think about it tonight when I'm like the candle um, and I kind of, I developed it a bit more. I, I got another candle made called Little Sparks because when I lost all of our little babies, I I I just, I, I don't know what it was. Candles gave me a lot of comfort. I don't know why. I don't know whether it was the glow of them or just the kind of feeling of calm once the lit, lights are dimmed and the room is just lit by this little candle. And um, so I created Little Sparks, which is just in memory of all the little sparks who didn't get to stay. Um, so there's a little piece on the back of the box, and they're more they're more roundy ones, so there are these. I'll send you one of each, so you'll have them in your own houses and um, But the idea of this one is that like a lot of the time people don't really know what to get people if they've had a miscarriage or what mm. they can do for them. So this one was more of a like you know you could get it for yourself or you could get it as a gift for a friend or a family member. But the bit on the back is for all the little sparks, the ones who didn't get to say our memories and love for you will never go away because you think about them all the time you don't talk about them all the time but they're always there you know I look at Albie and I as you said like what made you stick but I always think of the four before him that didn't get to stick you know mm-hmm. and they'll know ne- you know yourselves they'll never not be on our mind but we just don't bang on about them all the time because you know you kind of would be deemed a little bit not coping with it or whatever um but then the idea of the box of this one is that you can put your like, your scan photos or your bits and pieces into it and just keep it as, like, your little keepsake box as well.
1: Oh, that's
2: Um, um And then, yeah, then I did little bracelets. So I, I, again, the power of healing and trying to hold on to a bit of hope. And I, myself and Lily actually sat down um, and made some bracelets with just hope on them. But they're Amazonite, so they're the stone for hope and healing and calming oh, and... Them.
0: I'm yeah, very and I, older. Well, yeah.
2: Again, people have them just as a little reminder. So like it's on your wrist and you just look down and it just says hope. And it just to, it's to bring you back to just staying positive and trying not to kind of, because it can bring you down and it can feel heavy and negative and sad all the time.
0: And so can, these are maybe. just to
2: try and lift you a little bit and help you hang on to that bit of hope that everything is going to be okay.
0: Yeah I think yeah. it has these feelings of negativity and you know I'm I'm very much not in the positive vibes only I'm not in that camp but what Oh no I, the camp that I am in is the fact that it's not healthy to be consumed by negativity to yeah. allow yourself to be consumed by negativity and that's why we very much um in our courses and stuff we focus on gratitude and on as you as you, you we've been talking about manifestation visualization because even if the worst happens the worst you can imagine even if that happens the the part of your pregnancy that you've lived up till now it's so much better and healthier to have been able to find some joy in your everyday life during that time rather than to have lived each day of that pregnancy fearing the worst yeah because ultimately you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna be heartbroken whatever however you've been managing your um managing your thoughts and behaviors up, up to that point aren't you so it's yeah to, to be able to grasp some sort of um some sort of gratitude or yeah. Hope. yeah hope hope exactly rather than drown in in the kind of that fear it's all fear based yeah and
2: it's and it's there every day every time I went to the toilet every single time I went to the toilet when I was pregnant with will I was expecting like the fear of wiping and like Mm. it was every single time every little cramp because when I lost Charlie at Christmas like I was nine weeks I'd had a scan at eight weeks and five days everything was perfect um heartbeat flickering away everything was fine and literally nine weeks the following Wednesday I was sitting working in the kitchen and I just felt different I didn't have any pain no bleeding no nothing I just felt different and I rang the hospital, and they were like, Sinead, you've had two before this. You're you're probably just feeling a little bit paranoid, basically." Um, and I was like, "No, I can't put my finger on it." So I said, "Can I just come in and have a quick scan?" And they were like, "Well, like we're not going to turn you away at the door, but like, you know, you you're going to be fine. Like, there's you're just feeling a little bit overwhelmed." And I was like, "Okay, yeah, fair enough, but I'm going to go in." And I went in, and there was no heartbeat. And I just remember sitting there, going, like. I, I, I don't know. Like you said, like it, it can totally consume you. It can totally overwhelm you. Your whole life can be—it's it, changed by it, you know. And you have to hang on to something other than the feeling of the grief and manifestation. I think yes. Look, it's—it's it's not guaranteed. It's not us three sitting here going. I oh, know if you manifest a pregnancy, you'll end up with the baby. You know that's <laughs> not realistic, but. I feel like when you're in the depths of it, it absolutely gives you that little lift that you need mm. just to breathe and to say, "I can do this," you know, "I can get through this."
1: Yeah, everyone needs a little okay. bit of hope. Sinead, tell us a bit about your your pregnancy um, with Albie. So you said that you ended up with an emergency cesarean. Actually, yeah. So what I, there?
2: I mean, my three my three um, deliveries were all very colourful. Um, so with Lily, I had a natural delivery but it was i had a third and fourth degree tear and i had a recto vaginal fistula so i had a hole going the whole way through she was only five pounds wow. seven so she was this tiny big and um, but she did a lot of damage so i was told when i had her that i was never going to be able to have another natural delivery again that if i ever had more kids that it would be a c-section so i remember sitting there going well i have no fucking husband so chances of me having more children is not actually going to happen so it's amazing yeah. how I uh, looking back now at my reaction um so then when I got pregnant with Dylan um, they knew from the very beginning that I wasn't going to be able to have a natural delivery with him and he arrived six weeks early so he was same size as Lily but he needed two weeks in NICU because he was just a bit too new um just kept forgetting to breathe really just got a bit lazy um so he was <laughs> there for boys. two weeks oh yeah <laughs> um and then Obviously, when I found out I was pregnant with Albie, I knew I wasn't going to have a natural delivery, but we had planned for a very calm, you know, scheduled Mm. C-section. But I bled quite early with him again. So again, the whole way through the pregnancy, I didn't think he was going to stick. Like even up to 37 weeks, I thought something was going to go wrong. Um, I bled very early on, very early on, and then bled again kind of around the 11-week mark. Um, but I was taking progesterone. So they said that it could that could be the reason why that sometimes progesterone, if you put it in wrong or whatever, it can cause a little bit of bleeding. Um so I came off the progesterone at 12 weeks. But then I attended the early delivery clinic. So the early arrival clinic because Dylan had been so early. Um, and then they decided to put me back on progesterone at about 22 weeks um, to try and keep Albion that bit longer so he did he stayed a bit longer he my waters went then with him 37 weeks at home um oh, okay yeah so pense i the emergency section and oh, it was pretty quick so i was here and you know like you know you have that feeling of like i know this This can't be it like in, it's not happening now but i got into bed and um, didn't feel great kind of went to the toilet a little tiny gush but i'd had that the week before so i didn't know what mm-hmm. it was it was like it was obviously the same thing as last week and then yeah, I got back into bed and got that searing pain across my back. And I was like, oh, okay, I think this baby's coming. So in we went again. And yeah, he was born two hours later, I think. Um, but wow. seven, four. He was a giant in comparison to the other two.
1: Yeah.
2: Um, but yeah, I just I I just I can't even I get so emotional when I think of like when he was born and how they, mm. you know, lifted him up over that sheet, and just I've just never felt relief like it or joy like it or like I still can't describe the feeling. It was just so overcome with emotion and you know that we finally got there, you know. Um and yeah, like I said, he's nearly nine months old and I still can't believe he's here. He's just he has brought so much light to the shittest two years, you know, for us. We'd only got married the the um August before we started trying for number three. So like we got married and then we had two years of roller coaster, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. um and really difficult decisions of like you know, is it worth this? Like, is it you know it's it's you know, it's really exhausting. It's the yeah. we were pretty bad at like right, that's it, it's this month this time, you know, obviously now. Let's go, let's <laughs> go, let's go. Like it, it just got a bit full on, like
1: yeah, and
2: we kind of lost the Ability to just enjoy having sex with each other or randomly deciding, you know, when you get into bed, it was all very military organized. It does point. feel like
1: a waste if you have oh sex outside God. that first do you know? <laughs> time, doesn't it? Yeah.
0: And I never had that before, you know. So, it's it, we did, that kind of thing is really hard. But I was going to ask you, Sinead, as, as you, I mean, you, I'm sure you know mine and Laura's stories, I had three children when I had my loss, and I did feel. I felt really worried that people were going to being being so vocal in this subject. I felt really worried that people were going to judge me for already having children Mm
1: -hmm. and say,
0: like, well, why do you get to talk about this when you've already got kids? Because there's you know, at least you've got children. You have no right in this space. Did you ever feel like that?
2: Yeah. So I always felt that was a bit of an Irish thing that like, you know, you're not allowed to complain about this because you have this. Yeah. Um, or you're not allowed to give out about whatever because you, you have this already. And I actually have come to realize it's it's worldwide. It's an actual, it's a human thing. That we're we're made feel like we're not allowed to complain about something. Or we're not allowed to have a bit of a moan about something. Because we should be grateful for what we have. But I'm like, no, I'm sorry. Like So like Albie still wakes every couple of hours during the night. It doesn't bother me. I'm just so grateful that he's here. But I will say how tired I am the next day it's not that I'm ungrateful for having him here and I'm ungrateful that I have a baby to look after I'm bloody tired (laughs) I haven't had any sleep like you know it's it's really hard and you're made feel you know in those early days after having a baby like you're crazy like like, you, you don't know you don't know whether you're coming or going like you're a bit delirious still and you have two other kids to look after at home and you are made feel a little bit like you're not allowed to complain and you're not allowed to give out about anything because, you know, you've been through the mill. You've you've, you've gone through four miscarriages. What are you giving out about? This is what you wanted. You wish for this. This is what you wanted. So, you know, you're not allowed. And I'm very wary now. And I probably don't moan as much as I feel on Instagram because I am aware of it. And I am like, you know, yeah, I am just aware of of it and of how people not everybody. Oh my goodness. The majority of people get it because Mm. they have kids and they know how tiring it is and they have babies, but there's always going to be people out there that are going to judge you for the way you respond to life and how you act after an event or something that's happened. And I think, you know, after Jeff died, I learned so much in, in grief and in grieving and how I'm very much a person that it's, it's, In our everyday life, like I could go for a drive in my car and burst out crying over something that I remember Jeff and I doing 15 years ago, you know, Mm. and that's part of my everyday life. And that's how I cope with it. But you will always have people criticizing how you deal with it. Everybody's experience is different. Everybody's reaction to it is different. Mm. Some people cope with it a lot better than other people. Some people never go, go again after having one miscarriage because they're so affected by it. I was a very and I am a very stubborn person. I wanted three kids. I was running out of time i'm forty one now, so I'm absolutely finished now, but I felt like I had a little bit of time left, and I was like, I think I'm just gonna we're gonna keep going until until we really can't go any further um mm. but yeah you're you're right. there's an absolute attitude of you you wanted this like you were the one who wanted this, so therefore suck it up but if that doesn't help anybody like the more I talk about how messy my house is or how I'm you know feel like I'm so behind on washing and folding and ironing or whatever it is like the more people message me on Instagram going oh my god I'm so glad it's not just me you yeah. know the more you talk about miscarriage and how it makes you feel and how you know I, I really, really struggled at one point with me feeling like I was the problem and my body was the one that was failing at every single turn. um. And it did take me a while to come out of that mindset, but I, I spoke about it and the amount of people that were like, oh my God, I feel exactly the same. This really helped me to actually not feel that way. And yeah. that's why I love my Instagram page as well, because I will give real snippets every now and again. And like the people that come back are just normal and appreciative of the fact that somebody has actually said, Jesus Christ, this is hard. You know, you know, yeah.
0: there was, I can't remember. Oh, Brene Brown said one day, the story of how you overcame what you went through will become someone else's survival guide. I um, love that quote. Oh my God. I love it. Because yeah, it's, so so shivers, yeah. it's so true, isn't it? Your also, story- I look at the story of people like with alcohol, and coming to term with my addiction to alcohol, I look at people in recovery and listen to their stories and I think, fuck yeah, I can do it. They've done it. They've been doing this 24 hours a day, every once, every day, you know, all that stuff. They've been doing it for years. And they're, they're, you know, they've had a, they're doing it and they're, they're achieving and, and they're okay. And they've been through shit, but they still haven't, haven't had a drink. They haven't had to have a drink on that stuff. And I just think if they didn't share their story, then I would be, Still sat here thinking it was just me that had this horrible.
2: Completely, mm. you just nailed it. Yeah,
0: yeah. and it's just—it's just so important. I think if you—if you are happy to, if you are brave enough to—to to share the story that you don't think is aesthetically pleasing, because social media is all about presenting this aesthetically pleasing, beautiful side of yourself, and actually, if you can, if you can post something real you will reach more people who need to be reached with that. Well, that's it. Mm. And it's not like, I did go through a funny phase
2: this year. I don't know why, about trying to make my page aesthetically pleasing. I was trying to put white borders around all of my pictures. And I was like, what the fuck are you doing? Like The effort (laughs) that it was taking to try (laughs) and do this. And I literally, a couple of weeks ago, I was like, lads, I'm sorry now, but I am going back to this being my brain fart journal of life. You know, if you don't like it, there's an unfollow button or there's a mute button, whatever it tickles your fancy, yeah. but I'm done trying to make it look like something it's not. Do you know what I mean? It's, I don't know. I think we're, I, I don't know where it came from and I don't know why it started, but I think social media started making people feel like they had to be perfect. And what is perfect? Like mm. to me, I'm perfect, but you should see the state of my house. <laughs> like, you know, I felt like freaking Superwoman earlier on. And then I went and spilled a coffee all over my islands. Like, you know, none of us are perfect. Everything is going to, Come in on top of you at different times of your life. Tomorrow I might be on top of absolutely everything. But today I'm definitely not. And that's okay too. And yeah, you know, I guarantee you there's another hundred thousand women out there that are feeling exactly the same way, you know. And look at you guys, like look what you guys have built. Look at the community that has Mm. that has come to the worst girl gang ever. And they all need it. Like they need it so badly. And now you started the one for guys, which is just incredible. But, like, yeah. it's so badly needed. And the amount of people that follow you and connect with you proves
0: that. Like, yeah. yeah. But I think that's why, isn't it? Because we're so honest about everything. We're honest about the fact that you feel like shit when you see a pregnant And you're a bit of crack. You're a bit of crack. <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> we smoke crack, <laughs> did you say? You're
1: a, you're a bit, of, a bit crack. of crack.
2: You're a bit of crack. A crack. You're a bit oh, of a laugh. Oh, okay.
0: Yeah. <laughs> We don't do crack. Can I just clarify? We don't. You're a bit of crack,
2: or AIC Irish crack. You're oh, crack.
0: okay. Gotcha, gotcha. You're
2: relatable. You're funny. You're, you know, people. Oh, stop! You know, stop! You're not serious. <laughs> serious. <laughs> yeah
0: yeah it's but I know you know I, t- I totally hear you with feelings of overwhelm like Laura knows because I will just <laughs> either go dark or text and go mate I can't cope I can't cope I can't do it <laughs>
2: my husband gets that I'm like he's like hey baby how are you and just gets back overwhelmed full stop he's like okay I'll see you later <laughs> you. Yeah, it
0: is you just <laughs> good luck it. with that this is Sorry, something well. you've always champion Laura isn't it as well with um you know, I remember you saying that when you were pregnant with Bertie, you, you were like, oh, I'm never going to complain about being a mum. I'm never going to. And then obviously the realities of being a mum are are really hard. And and oh, you, The reality very, is I'm constantly complaining. But you're <laughs> very... We you're all very are. <laughs> admired the fact that you're very vocal about that and you're very vocal about the fact that you have the right to. You have just as much right as everyone else. Yeah. Kind of. Although
1: the difficulty comes when you... When you support a community, that then then you feel so far removed from. Yeah, so you're in this world of people who can't have a baby, and then all of a sudden you have what they all want, and to then then complain about it feels terrible. But I mean, in my life, I complain a lot, but I just
2: I try
1: not to put it, and it feels. It feels not fake, but I mean, that's why I don't. But you're trying to protect the media very much.
2: because You're trying to protect the people who are following you for different reasons. Yeah,
1: absolutely. But that's
2: okay too. You can moan to your friends like all of the time.
1: yeah. (laughs) I
2: I think that's hard. You've built such an incredible community, but that's a testament to you and the type of person you are, that you're aware of the journey that they're on or that they were on or, you know, but at mm-hmm. the end of the day, people wouldn't follow you if they didn't want to. I and did, if they do yeah. follow you and don't want to, then that's their own issues. But like, I do think, I think there's been a definite shift in social media, and I mean, you probably see that in in your own page, because when I started following you guys, you definitely don't have didn't have the following that you have now. But in mm-hmm. the last two years, there's been a huge shift in the conversation. There, like, women are they're standing up more for how we're feeling and how yeah. how we're not treated great in, in certain ways and in certain things in life. And, you know, we've been through shitty things and it's nice to be able to talk about it and to find yeah. other women and other men that have been through the same. And, you know, Definitely. yes, look, you probably do protect your audience a little bit and that's okay too, because but you need to vent it somewhere. You see, this is the...
1: Absolutely.
2: Uh, On my you know, my
1: private Instagram account i um i'm my little boy's all over it and i I try not to be too moany but or if i am moany it's in sort of like a light-hearted way yeah 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 yeah. but i in my bio i have um like motherhood after recurrent loss Mm. so it's it's clear and and i don't want it to upset anyone but um i try and make it very clear that it's a motherhood account not a recurrent loss account anymore
0: yeah Yeah, and my my, my what can you do My personal one I, is is, per, is pro, like it's a you know request to join type thing, because I just, just think I, w- I I yeah I would feel I don't post much anyway, but I would just feel not right. About- Being a mum is so
1: so fucking hard. It is. You're responsible for other human beings, and like honestly, it's just the most it's the the most difficult, exhausting thing ever, and and you should be allowed to. You should be allowed to say that
2: and admit but, that without being made feel.
1: Yeah, but when you've been Rachel. on the other side of it and you know how you would have felt hearing someone moaning, it's like, oh, it's just it's a tricky situation, and and I'm still struggling with it. I've never really been comfortable being on on both sides, but I do feel defensive when people get upset because people are talking about living children because they're still entitled to 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 have that grief over the babies that they've lost.
2: That's it. And that's a point. Like whenever whenever Jeff died, that was my first ever real experience of of of, like intense grief. Like obviously I had lost grandparents or whatever, but I hadn't ever suffered that level of a loss. Mm. Um and I never even now I'm like, you know, I'm perfectly entitled to sit here and complain. Like losing your husband when you're pregnant with his child is a life fucking Sentence. I can't even tell you the logistics of trying to keep everybody's family happy my family, his family like the logistics of then, you know, yes, look, I chose to remarry. I didn't do it under duress. I chose to remarry. And that comes with its own complications, you know, that comes with another family that's involved in this dynamic of blended family. And like, I, I don't know, I, I'm kind of like, I'm entitled to sit. And I hate the word entitled. Sorry, I actually can't believe I just said that. But like I'm allowed to sit and say, this is hard. It's impossible. Like, mm. you know, having kids is tough enough without having the blended version of a family as well, on top of it all. But I just, yeah, I feel like I feel like life in general. Like if you, if you have a house and you go, Oh my God, like I wish I wish the bathroom was different. Like but well, at least you have a house. <laughs> it's the at least sentences <laughs> that I'm like. Oh, so I'm not allowed to actually give out about anything to do my house because I have one. Like, you're not allowed to give out about your car because well, at least you have a car. So I do feel like there's, there's certain people that will always be like that and they'll always feel like that. But I do think the majority of people get it and the majority of people understand how life is and how overwhelming it can get. And that, you know, it is nice to have a bit of a rant and let it all out. And then... The next day is better as they say tomorrow is a new one hopefully it'll be better and hopefully yeah. i won't spill a coffee all over the island and all over everything on the island but like you know i do it is as you said it's really tricky and it's hard to it, it, you're never going to please everybody what's that no. what's that quote you can't please all of the people all of the time you know? know you're going to say something that will support a hundred people and offend two, and vice yeah. versa you know yeah
1: Yes, as exactly. long as, as
2: long as we know what we're doing is honest and it's our best truth, as in obviously not exaggerating anything. But like you know, as long as you can go to bed happy at night, saying, "Well, I, I shared that today because that's how I felt and that's mm-hmm. what happened," and you're not trying to sugarcoat anything or you're not trying to twist anything. I think that's all we can do, really.
0: You yeah. know, yeah, definitely. Oh, Sinead, thanks for keeping it real. Yeah, thanks. That's your luck. And well, a massive good luck with all the sales of the candles then. So how can people find um find this and have a look at what you're doing?
2: Um so it's literally sparkalife.ie. Um I am terrible at marketing everything between photography and this. I'm like, I haven't a clue where to start with the marketing of it. So yeah, it's, it's mainly through Instagram and the website, really. Um and yeah, I ship worldwide now. It's a bit crazy. Don't even know how I managed to start it, but I did. And it's it's amazing, like the bracelets, even I didn't know that they were going to be as popular as they are, and I cannot get over the amount of people that have bought them and the messages I get back about them. So yeah, it's sparkelife.ie. and um, at the moment we have the two, well, sorry, there's two different scents in the the original Sparkle Life candle, and then the little sparks candle is a signature scent, but it smells just so beautifully sweet, it just is perfect. Um and yeah, I I, I like the plan is to to kind of Build it up and just let it be a place where people can go to. You know, if they're looking for anything, a bit like a bit like what you guys have built, but in a different way. If you know what I mean, just somewhere that Something. people can go, like a point of information. And you know, yours is incredible with the workshops and everything that you guys do. That that won't be me. Mine will be more of a, a information hub, I suppose. Being able to send them to if you need this, this is a good website to go to. You know, that kind of thing. So that's the. Yeah. That's the vision. um Well, yeah, I'll send you
0: guys a a little
2: pack each, so you'll
0: to oh, you see in the that. flesh what it's yeah, like. I yeah, and we'll put all your details in the show notes as well, so people can find you and uh, get them. that be amazing. Thank that you so will. much. Thank you right. so much, so much. For us Lovely to see you. Yeah. You take too, care. Enjoy
1: thanks the rest of your day.
0: thank you so much everyone for tuning in and please please when you have a second rate us review us and share us and let's get this taboo smashed see you next week